Well, good morning. The Lord has laid upon my heart this morning, as I saw my father and mother-in-law sitting up here, we're going to talk about being a godly mother-in-law to a uh, uh, son. Of... <laughs> I was kidding. I got to get her high. The pressure's on with them sitting here. Um, <laughs> now, um, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And what we're going to talk about this morning, what the Lord's laid upon my heart in the study we've been looking at is several weeks, or several, well, it might have been a month or two ago, we discussed the rapture, and um, we looked at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he's going to return to take all the Christians home to be with himself. That there was going to be a shout, the trumpet's going to sound, and one day it's actually going to occur. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return himself. He's not sending his angels in his place. He's not sending someone else. But he himself is coming to take us home to be with him. And we'll be with him forevermore. So this day will come. This day for sure will come. Even though mockers and everyone else will come along and say, where is the coming? And you've been talking about this for years. But one day... Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again. As we transition from the rapture, and we're, looking, we're going to be going into the tribulational period, and this is something we're studying in our Sunday school class as well, um, is what needs to take place before the rapture occurs. And I ask this to my kids, and they're here. What needs to take place before the rapture occurs? They're quiet. Nothing. They sat in the classroom quiet until they finally figured it out. Nothing. It's a simple answer. There's nothing. There's no events. There's nothing that needs to take place before the Lord Jesus Christ can return to take home the church. But there are things that need to take place, and the signs that we see are for the start of the tribulational period, for the start of the day of the Lord, when the Lord is going to intervene in the things of mankind, where we're going to see a seven-year tribulational period where the wrath of God is going to be poured out on judgment upon this earth. But the scriptures say it's going to be so bad that if the Lord didn't stop it, didn't intervene, didn't shorten the days, there'd be no flesh that'd be left alive. It's going to be something unreal. You know, today, we're living in a day and age of, and what we're going to look at today is, uh, begin to look at is a great apostasy and the falling away. But you look at our election today, and this is not political by any means, but I believe this shows the heartbeat of America, is that the two political parties have given us two candidates. Both of them have moral questions about them. Both of them are, are not qualified for the job, you might say. Yet this is what America's put forward. And at times I feel like you're trying to choose between the false prophet and the antichrist and which one to vote for. And I'm not here to tell you who to vote for or you vote your conscience between you and the Lord. But I believe that these two people that are put forth in the acceptance by this society is the heartbeat of America. And there's a lot of uneasiness right now when you go around and you, you talk to believers and everyone else that even that aren't saved that where is this country going? But let me remind you that the church is not about political reform, but about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that 
we're going to look at in the scriptures is that it's been predicted that there's going to be a falling away. The world's going to get more and more evil, more and more immorality, more and more like their father, the devil. And we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be shaken by it. What I believe in the coming days, if the Lord doesn't return, and particularly in our country, is persecution is going to start up. Persecution here in the United States like they are suffering in other countries. This country is already rising up and hating Christians, hating the name of Christ. And it's going to grow more and more. Now, I was thinking about it and uh, having the baptism today and how I can correlate this in. And the Lord finally laid it upon my heart. These two individuals that are going to be baptized are taking a stand that they are followers of Jesus Christ, that they are going to be identified with his death, burial, and resurrection, that they have been saved. This water doesn't save them. If they come into this water unsaved, they're going to come out unsaved. But this baptism is a public display that they have accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and that they believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he was buried, and that he rose three days later. And they want everyone here to know that they're Christians. They're followers of Christ. This is a tremendous thing. And in other countries, we know, and we had the one individual that was here that, that was a missionary in Japan. Um, and even when we asked him there, once an individual gets baptized, is when the family cuts them off. That's when it's serious. They can make a profession of faith. They can say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But the minute that they publicly identify themselves with Jesus, family's like, nope, that's it. And it's also the same in other cultures. And what we need today, as it goes on and on in our society, as it gets worse and worse, is men and women that are going to stand by the book that are going to follow Jesus Christ no matter what the cost is, no matter what the persecution, no matter what it is, and stand up for the Lord. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 here, he's going to describe, and we're only going to be able to just skim the surface here, but what he's talking about here is he's going to address to these Thessalonian believers because they were troubled in spirit. They were really upset. And in verse 2, it says, Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by the Spirit or by the Word or by letter, as that from us, as though the day of Christ had come. In particular, it should be uh, maybe perhaps a better rendering, the day of the Lord. But what they thought and what they, they were experiencing is such horrendous persecution that some had actually come in the name of the Apostle Paul, perhaps by letter or some way, Paul doesn't know, but they were informed that this day had already come. And they thought they missed out on the rapture. They thought it was over. Or perhaps they thought it was still in the future, but that they're going to have to face this tribulational period. Let's read through this, and I want you to listen. I want you to pay particular attention to what Paul is going to lay out for the end-time events of what needs to take place. Verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as F from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means that that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition, 
Notice there's two things he's, he's laying out here, very clear and very simple. The first is the falling away has to come. This is the apostasy. This is the falling away from faith that the Christendom, this, the church is going to grow weaker and weaker and weaker away from the, the, the Holy Scriptures. The second thing is, is the man of sin is going to be revealed, the son of perdition, the one that, that we could maybe identify as the Antichrist is going to rise up and he's going to be revealed. Verse 4 says, Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Look at verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. I want you to remember that. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe in the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Here Paul is confirming to the Thessalonian believers that this day of the Lord, the tribulation has not occurred, and that they have not been passed up on the rapture. And it's not a future time, but this event will still take place. But what I want to look at this morning, we, have, we don't have enough time to get into the man of sin today. We will another day. But, um, but what I want to look at is the falling away needs to come first. Before the tribulation is going to take place, there has to be a, a, a doctrinal and moral apostasy of where, and this is not only of the, the, the world, but of the church of where there's a decline in the church as far as doctrine. And there's a list of things that I have here that, that the scriptures lay out as far as the last days. And the last days is the period time, entire period between the first and second advent of Christ. This is a time that started when the Lord Jesus Christ left this earth and the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, going all the way through to the day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return a second time to this earth and set up his kingdom. There's going to be a denial of the Trinity, a denial of the incarnation, both of the deity and the humanity, a denial of the return of Christ. And you can find that in 2 Peter 3, and the other ones are in 1 John chapter 2. A rejection of the redemption, the finished work of Christ, the rise and acceptance of false teachers and prophets, a falling away of sound doctrine. And then you have the moral apostasy, departure from holy living, a lifestyle of sin, acceptance of sin in the church, no church discipline of sin, and no commitment to a local assembly. Just as the Holy Spirit is active and he rises up men and women to proclaim his word, we must be aware that so is Satan just as active to rise up his false teachers, rise up his false prophets, 
to proclaim his false views. You see, God, Satan not only wants to um, keep people from getting saved, but he wants to rob God as much of glory in the church as he possibly can. He wants to destroy Christians' lives. Scriptures describes him as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He wants to destroy each and every one of us. And he, if he got the opportunity, he would do it with no mercy, with no grace, but with absolute, complete destruction is what he likes to do. And you see, his followers, these false teachers, these apostates, are all people that have characteristics of Satan, that are followers of him. Now, do they know they're being followed, they're being led by Satan? Not necessarily. You see, the scriptures talk about, I want to three different categories of people here that I, I believe can be identified. First is you have the false prophet or the false teacher. And you can find that in 2 Peter chapter 2 and 3, as well as in Timothy and um, Jude. But these false teachers, these false prophets are not saved. These are individuals that are amongst us. They're within the church. These ones come and go from us. They try to deceive the brethren. They try to sow discord. They come in and out. And Paul warned the Ephesian elders night and day and said they're coming. These false teachers are coming. There's going to be ones that are going to be coming in from the outside. And there's going to be ones that are going to rise up amongst you. They're coming. I warned you day and night. They're on their way. We could say today they're here. They're all around us. These false teachers. These are brute beasts. These are, these are individuals that are not saved, but they seek after themselves their own glory, their own honor, their own pay. They come and lead people astray. They overthrow households. They destroy lives in the Christian faith. This is the mark of a false teacher, and these individuals are not saved. Then there's an apostate, in which these are individuals that you could say as well of a false teacher that they could be an apostate, but these apostates are individuals that, write, that are in the Christian church. They have tasted all the, 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 the blessings of the church. They have been under sound teaching. At one time, perhaps in their life, they might have even made a profession of faith. But they never truly believed in the heart that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that he died on the cross for their sins. The reality of an apostate is that they're here. That there's individuals that think they're saved, but they fall away. Over time, they begin to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they not only reject the Lord Jesus Christ, but they begin to mock salvation, they begin to mock the church, they begin to mock the Godhead to the point where they completely deny salvation through Christ. Then you have false teaching within the church. And there's individuals in the church that are saved. That false teaching from these, the, these false teachers come in amongst us, and they begin to penetrate and overthrow households and overthrow the faith of some. This false teaching is coming in. 
The reality is at times we've got to discipline people that, that hold false teaching and deal with it. But the, 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 the deal, the, anytime you're dealing with it, it's always with the idea of restoration. But these ones that come in and, and, and divide and these false views that come in, the church has to stop and we have to preserve the truth of God's word. This is all difficult stuff to deal with. It's difficult stuff to discern and, and to come through and, and, and take in. I had to watch one of my dear friends who was going on for the Lord. And he picks up a book written by one individual and begins to read this book and begins to take on this individual's views of these false views and begins to argue with the church. Takes up the all-millennial point of view and begins to promote it. I talked to him, who one person at one time believed in the rapture of the church, who turns around and says, oh, there's no rapture. He was actively involved in the assembly uh, from where he was, and now, since then, he stopped speaking around. He wasn't nothing, anything that, that was great that was speaking around, but they had him local in the local assembly where he was speaking. Since then, he's dwindled down. I hope this individual is not a false or an apostate, but I don't believe he is. But within his views, it's eaten him alive, and because he took this strong stance that now he's picked up a little false doctrine, and we spend hours going over this stuff and to no, no avail. He's refusing to repent and accept the truth of God's word. Now, why do I bring this up? Because, brothers and sisters, we got to be so careful. Where our ears and what our eyes see in here. Just because we turn on the Christian radio station doesn't mean you're always going to hear the truth of God's word. Just because you pick up a book at a Christian store doesn't mean that it's grounded and solid in the word of God. You see, unfortunately, because the false teachers have been so at work, they've muddied the waters of the scriptures that we, we come together. And one of the things I believe Satan has done today is that he has destroyed Christians' trust in the word of God. There's many views. You have your view, I have mine. No longer can we say the word of God says what the word of God says. But because of false teaching that has come in, you have all different sorts of views from all different perspectives because individuals have failed to rightly discern the word of God. One example that Russ has brought up and we've talked about is lordship salvation. This idea that you have to make Jesus Lord before you get in order to be saved. This idea that you have to repent and turn from your sins in order to be saved. Now the scripture calls for repentance. A repentance is a change of mind and to admit that you're a sinner. But how does an individual that is dead in his trespasses and sins turn when he hasn't been given the new nature? But what you see is you see an individual repent, admit he's a sinner, get saved, and because he's given the Holy Spirit, the new nature, he's able to then shed this lifestyle of sin with the power that's given to him. As well as you see on the flip side, is all of a sudden comes in, is easy believism. 
what I believe is going rampant today in many of the mega churches and something I just experienced in this last week is, is we had an individual um, with our department that committed suicide about 17, 18 years on the job. <clears throat> so we went to her funeral. It was a mega church down in uh, um, Chino. And I, I hope she is saved, according to the pastor that gave the, the service. He said there was a time in her life when she was younger, she accepted the Lord. And that's all he let it. He, he left it at that, nothing um, particular. And then they went over her life, a life of divorce, a life of, of um, struggle. And, and I hope and I do pray for the family and for all this, the, the, the officers that were there. But this individual had an opportunity to preach the gospel to all these unsaved. He read John 3.16, which is good. And he left it at, it's a personal relationship with God and the love of God. No mention of sin. No mention of separation of God. And what an opportunity to preach the gospel to not only our chief of police was there, but everyone was there. Not everyone, but numerous amounts of, of, of officers. But see, today in the falling away, we're shying away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're watering it down. We're, 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 we're trying to get people saved without mentioning sin. And a person can't get saved without acknowledging that they're a sinner. How did Jesus die on the cross if we're not sinners? The love of God draws us to salvation, but we see that God loved us while we were yet sinners. And that's when Christ died for us. And it is a time in your life when you've got to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's a time when you come to God and confess that you're a sinner. And you can't save yourself. Good works isn't going to get you to heaven. That The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of that standard in which God has set for us. This is why he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Turn with me over to, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, we're going to read some of these scriptures that I'm talking about so you can see that I'm not just making this stuff up, but Paul has declared of this apostasy. We don't have time to look into Timothy. We're going to look in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, but in your own reading, I, I encourage you to read Jude, um, as well as 1 John uh, addresses this, this falling away. But look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. 
verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wise fables, and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. And if you look down at uh, verse 16, it says, Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them, for doing this will both save yourself and those who hear. Turn over to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three. But know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self control, brutal, despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And look at the commandment he says, from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as for Jan, Janus and Jambres, Resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Look at verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned, from, <clears throat> learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. These are sober warnings of the last days, of which 1 Timothy chapter 
4 mentions that there's doctrine of demons. Now, these doctrines of demons are not studies about demons, but it's doctrines that arise from, from the evil one, from demons. And they infiltrate the church, and they infiltrate people's lives. And look back at uh, 2 Timothy here, chapter 2. And let me look at one of the, these simple doctrines and what ends up happening. Look at verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of hearers. Now notice when there's divisiveness, when there's false teaching that comes in, you get the ruin of hearers. It overthrows people's faith. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shown profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Look at verse 17. And their message was spread like cancer. This is false doctrine. is related to cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetos are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. A simple teaching, saying you've missed the rapture. You have no hope in this world. You have to face the tribulational period coming up has overthrown the faith of son. You see, false doctrine either comes in two forms. It's either in legalism of adding to the word of God or liberalism in taking away from the word of God. And Satan has done this from the very beginning of time of, of his temptations, of dealing with Eve and adding into taking away from the word of God, of dealing with the temptation of the Lord Jesus and adding to taking away from the word of God. He, he's, he's no different and he's always going to try to add or take away from the word of God to overthrow us in our faith, to rob God of his glory, to, to detract from the doctrines. And in 2 Corinthians, it talks about Satan being an angel of light. See, Satan knows the word of God. He knows what the word of God says. He's a master at twisting it and, and having people take the word of God and show you. As, as we're, we're going to have a baptism today, there's some that will teach that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. And they'll show you scriptures from it. They'll, they'll take you to your Bible and open it up and show you scriptures. But they're not rightly diverting the word, word of God. And yet they'll insist on baptismal regeneration. But until you believe and you're baptized, then you're not saved. Such is false teaching. Turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking. Beware of false prophets and who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. 
Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is probably one of the sobering, most sobering verse, verses in all of the scriptures. But there's people that have gone about casting out demons that have gone about doing miracles and wonderful works. But at the end, the Lord will say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. See, the false teachers are active. And their doctrine is trying to infiltrate within every assembly. And we have to be vigilant to preach the word, to stand up against it. And to honor the word of God and to be faithful to God's word. Before I close in prayer, um, we're going to have a baptism behind me. I'm going to go and do a quick change like Superman. But this is a particular event that the scriptures have given. But the Lord Jesus Christ commissioned himself that, that, that we are to do. That when a person gets saved, they are to be baptized. And what this is going to demonstrate behind me is that it's going to demonstrate two individuals that have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal saviors. That they believe and have accepted Christ, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. And that he was buried. And three days later, he rose victorious from the grave. And you see, when they're up out of the water, it's a picture... <clears throat> of the Lord Jesus Christ like as if he is on the cross. And when they go down underwater, this symbolizes death. You're underwater, you can't breathe. And then when you come up again, it shows newness of life. That as Jesus rose from the grave, so we should walk in newness of life. And just as the Lord Jesus died on the cross for their sins, they're going to be shown this symbolically, that they believe it, and that they confess it before you, and that they are followers of Jesus Christ. If there's any here that have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, if there's anyone here that this, this church stuff just doesn't make sense, or perhaps you've been, been going to church your whole life, but you, you've never realized that you need a time in your life that you must be saved, that you come to God, and you are reconciled with your God, I pray that you'll consider it this morning to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. See, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not offered, but now. God doesn't guarantee us that we're going to have tomorrow. We could be killed in a car accident on the way home from church here this morning. But the scriptures are very clear as well that within the, every church there's, there's wheats and there's tares. There's people that are saved and unsaved. And we've got to constantly examine ourselves and make sure that you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Only one that, as one preacher said, only one that he knows for certain that has accepted the Lord is himself. And the same thing I can say here. The only person I know that accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior is I know I have. I believe all of you guys have. 
but we should be diligent to always preach the gospel. One guy said, he said he was preaching the gospel, and after a meeting, a lady came up to him. She goes, I want to get saved. He goes, what do you mean? You've been here breaking bread for years. You've been here teaching Sunday school for years. But it finally dawned on her. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. She grew up in the system and kept rotating through until finally the Spirit of God finally drew her to the Savior that she then accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Let's go ahead and close in prayer, and, um, and then we'll have the baptism. Our gracious God and Father, we just do pray that you'll be glorified through this baptism, Father, as these two individuals are confessing publicly they are followers of Jesus Christ and they are identified with him, that he lives within them. Help we just ask that you be blessed and, and you'll speak to each one of our hearts that those that have been baptized that will go on to live with that, <clears throat> the same mindset that we stand for Christ and that we don't fade away in shyness or anything else, that we want to be bold for Christ. Father, is any that are not here, that, that are here that aren't saved, we pray that they'll get saved this morning, that you'll draw them unto yourself, O Lord. Convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Bless this time. Thank you for your word. Open our hearts and minds to it. In the name of Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.